Sports Radio welcomes you to the Lion's Den with your hosts, Michael Heiger and Louis Bellotta. That is right, Lions fans. You're listening to the Lions Den here on Impact Sports. I'm your host, Michael Hager, here with you every week. And this week we have a special guest with us today. Lewis is on our way to Tennessee. So this week we have Chris Bogus, our Lions beat writer, here with us for the show today. Chris, welcome to the show. What's up? What's up? How you doing today, it's man? It's good to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. It's great to have you here. Uh, so Chris is, as I mentioned, one of our beat writers for the show. And we're going to jump right into it on a topic that uh, Chris wrote on. It's a breaking news. <laughs> this past week and that was on cornerback Rasheen Mathis re-upping with the Lions on a one-year contract. Chris tell us a little more about this uh, deal with Mathis. Yeah so um, Rasheen Mathis you know he's coming back uh, he had a pretty good year last year he uh, actually was probably the leader on the defense don't you think mm-hmm. and uh, we signed him one year I think uh, short uh, short term not a lot of money so low risk uh, big reward probably brings uh, leadership uh, brings back uh you know, insurance on the defense, and um, I look forward to it because, you know, he's a familiar face, and then we don't got to worry, I think, we don't got to worry about drafting a cornerback in the draft because we just signed Cassius Vaughn, Mm -hmm. we got, you know, Slay coming back, Greenwood, and, you know, we got all these names, we got like eight corners, and, you know, just makes me feel better because I'd rather have that than, um, you know, get another unsure corner in the draft. Yeah, you know, this was something we talked about last week. Last week we touched on the signing of Cassius Vaughn, and we mentioned they don't have a lot of shut-down cornerbacks on this roster, but something that they do have is depth. And that's something that you can't take away from this team. You mentioned all the names there. You have Slay, Greenwood, uh, Green, now Mathis coming back, Houston, Vaughn, all these guys you have on your roster – are they going to be able to be that impact shutdown corner that can take that can take on an AJ Green or Des Bryant? No, probably not. But with all the depth that the Lions have there, how many of those guys really do they need to be productive next year to at least have a productive secondary? You know, I, the way I'm thinking of it is that we, as you know, Lions fans, we just got to be patient right now because. You know, a lot of teams that have those shutdown corners, they didn't always have them, you know. They had to wait a second. Uh, you know, corners have to develop, and right now we're in a great place. You know, I think, like, last year, I know I remember the game against the Cowboys. Great game. We came back. We won. It was, like, excellent. Talked about on ESPN. And I actually watched Darius Slay cover um, Des Bryant. And Des Bryant had an all right game, but he only had, like, three catches maybe, star receiver, and Darius Slay held him down. So I see, like... He looks great. I think it's there. It's going to happen. And, you know, uh, Chris Greenwood out of Albion, you know, he was a project. He was meant to be a project. So, you know, I'm just going to be patient. And, you know, if we draft a corner, he's just going to be more depth. So either way, we're still in this, like, you know, like limbo. Like, we just got to wait it up. Yeah, and, you know, the one thing that I just want to see out of the secondary that I feel like we didn't really get – we Lions fans just didn't really get much of last year were turnovers. They didn't force a lot of turnovers, and that's something that worries me. Here you have Mathis, who was probably, as you mentioned, the most productive quarterback on this Lions defense last season, but zero interceptions, zero forced fumbles. Yeah, he had 47 tackles, and he was a pretty good cornerback as far as shutting down the pass, but with this Lions defense, you can give up a big play just like that, 
you need to be able to turn that ball over and get the ball back to your offense because that's where your team is centered around right now. Your team is centered around scoring points and having the ball on offense. And if you can't keep, and if you can't get your offense back on the field, it's going to create some problems for your team. You want to be able to lead the game in time of possession and all of those other categories that have to do with, and all those other offensive categories. It's really tough to do that when you're not forcing turnovers. Yeah, def- I agree uh, for sure about that. But, you know, that's where I think the whole coaching change is going to play a big role is because, you know, last year, um, what was our uh, defensive coordinator's name? Oh, um, Gunther Cunningham. Cunningham. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he, he didn't blitz a lot. So, you know, not blitzing, you know, where we should have been blitzing would make up for a poor secondary. So, you know, I think Terrell Austin's going to switch it up, you know, Ezekiel Ansah did great last year, and he was nursing an ankle injury, so I think he can get even better, you know. We got uh, Jason Jones. He got injured. You know, he's coming back. You know, Nadam Kinsu, hopefully we get his contract. We'll talk about that in a little bit, though. Nick Fairley. You know, we get them blitzing and switching up their roles, and then we got these young corners getting, you know, uh, you know, not babied anymore. They're growing up. So I think their coverage, um, surrounded by the veteran leadership of Glover Quinn and uh, new James E. Hegdebo, uh, you know, I think it's going to clear up. So, you know, the the corners, yeah, they're held responsible. But, you know, when you got DeAndre Levy making those intercept, those mm-hmm. great plays in the middle, and then, you know, you got that insurance in, uh, you know, Super Bowl champ Gene, James Hegdebo, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not really too worried right now because the corners, you know, they're young and they're supposed to be young right now. That's where they're at. So I feel they're going to get better. And the, the play makes, um, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's not a very popular signing for those Justin Gilbert or Darquez Denard fans out there. Because you did mention, with all this depth now on the team, Mathis is your seventh uh, cornerback now on the depth chart. I don't see them looking, unless they think that, unless they plan on cutting any of these guys, which I don't think they do, they're all pretty young, uh, you're probably not going to see a cornerback drafted in the first round, early rounds. Because this was something that Lions fans talked about, like, oh, cornerback's the biggest need on this roster. But now you look at the roster and you have all these names there. Is there there's really not much room for another cornerback on there. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you think about it. If we draft, if we draft a corner, like, I, personally, um, I don't do a whole lot of homework on Justin Gilbert, but I just feel like Darquez Denard is more... NFL ready, you know, he's more like an island type player, you know, put him on Denard Island. Um, but like, I think if we pick him up, you know, we're just going to cut another potential uh, star like Jonte Green or Bill Bentley. Like they flashed a little bit of brilliance last year. And, you know, if we cut him, you know, we might lose out, you know, they might go to a soup, you know, the, they might go to the Broncos or somewhere and then get coached up by a great coaching staff and turn out to be great. And then we look like fools. Yeah. So, um, it just doesn't make sense. Not not early in the draft. Not I don't even think in the like not even the first four rounds. There's just more areas that need to be addressed. Not corner. Not even like people say Dion Buchanan at safety. You know I just don't I don't really see it because the the safety position it looks all right to me. I'm not that worried. Yeah, and safety position is also to me something that doesn't really worry me. But it looks to be worrying. Uh... McShay and Kuiper from ESPN, they both have HaHa Clinton Dix going to the Lions in their latest mock draft. I love Clinton Dix out of uh, Alabama, a guy who knows how to win, has emerged as the best safety in this draft ahead of uh, uh, Calvin Pryor, but 
it is something that they mention. Hegdepo's thirty years old. He doesn't. He's more of a short short term option right now. But I feel like that there's other holes in this Lions team where they don't need to address the safety right away. And I I think Quinn and Hegdepo is something that could hold up for a couple of seasons. I don't think it's right yet to jump ship right away and go inside Clinton Dix. I think Clinton Dix will be a productive NFL safety. I just don't know if there's really room for him on this roster right now. Yeah, you know, Clinton Dix, he comes in, uh, you know, Alabama, obviously, Nick Saban's dynasty over there. Uh, so he's he's well-coached and everything. He's probably NFL-ready, but it's like, I, I don't agree with Todd McShay and them because I feel like they're kind of panicking with the Lions pick. You know, if you look at it, it's obvious the Lions need that um, – they need that outside linebacker or that second wide receiver. It's just evident. It just has to happen. And, like, you get another corner, it'll just get washed away in the depth. Safety, yeah, James Hegdebo's 30 years old, but, you know, knock on wood, he his resume, he hasn't missed a whole lot of games, and he's played for a really good team. So you just got to feel a little safe with him. And, you know, two years is up, okay, but right now more pressing matters is uh, – linebacker and receiver so we'll get us we can get a safety later because behind them is don Carey, and we signed um isa abdagul cutis i don't mm-hmm. know how to say his name yeah but, that's uh, a long one yeah uh so i uh, you know four safeties and seven corners seven or eight corners i'm okay right now with with our secondary you know it didn't it wasn't that great but you know patience is a virtue so yeah and you know patience really is a virtue and if they were to bring any of these guys on and through the draft, I think that they'd be. I think that it would be a true sign that they've lost patience with some of these younger guys, and, and maybe even admitting that they didn't make the right draft picks. Maybe Bill Bentley wasn't the guy that they thought that they were getting out of the draft, or John T. Green. You really don't know. I don't know if they're really get ready to cut ties with those players yet, though. Yeah, and you know what I think is that the fact that they signed back-to-back two veteran corners in Cassius and Rasheen is just the fact that they do trust these younger guys and that they're not they're not trying to draft a younger guy. Why else would they sign two free agents if they're... You know, they're comfortable. It's obvious they're comfortable. They mm-hmm. wouldn't do that right up until the draft to then draft a rookie cornerback. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Well, we're going to stay on the topic of the draft here and go towards a little bit more of a position where it might not be as important on the field, but there really isn't nearly as much depth at that position, and that's a kicker. It's something that we haven't really touched on on this show since we got started, but if you look at it, this, this could be the weakest position on this Lions roster. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Um, David Akers, you know, he's a great kicker. He had a great run, but, you know, the gas is running out of the tank, and it's time to get a new kicker. Last year, we um, grabbed Sam Martin in the fifth round, right? And uh, we have, uh, what is it? We have three picks in the fourth round, so that's going to, like, the middle of the draft for the Lions is just going to be a beautiful thing. And... If we make sure we don't trade any of anything, if we just keep if we just keep the drafts draft picks where they are, the Lions will greatly benefit from it. And a, grabbing a kicker in the fifth round is just it's going to be easy. You know, we got who do we got in there? Um, Chris Boswell from Rice. He's the number one positioned kicker. You know, I haven't done my homework on these guys, but you know, if he's the number one ranked kicker and he's there in the four, uh, late fourth round, fifth round. And we need a kicker. Absolutely, grab him. People don't like it. It's not a beautiful pick, but you know, kicker's got to happen. 
Yeah, and you know, kicker's a position for the Lions that they're really used to some longevity and consistency. Um, from 1980 to 1991, they had Eddie Murray in there, and he was great for them. And then coming in right after Murray, you had Hanson come in. Yeah. From 1980 up until 2012, you had two kickers. That's three decades of just two kickers. That, that's one and then you that... had Akers come in and poop the bed. <laughs> and so it's. I think the Lions are looking at it as – we need more we need somebody who can come in and not be a question mark after at the end of each season they they don't want this to be a question mark any longer acres was a acres was something that they thought hey here's a guy he's kicked in the NFL before he has experience let's give it to him over the youtube sensation which i was okay with kickalicious <laughs> was yeah. i don't know but i think with chris boswell uh the kicker out of rice he's not necessarily the best kicker to ever come into the draft last season he finished uh 14 of 21 only kick making two-thirds of his field goals and i'm looking at that right now and i'm like wow he's really the top ranked kicker in the draft so clearly he has a pretty good luck i've never watched the guy kick before i'm just reading his stats he, he had three of his misses come from over 50 yards uh and another in the 40 yard range and he I guess he did well at the Senior Bowl. So here's a guy I don't know much about. I'm not going to go and start a campaign for the Lions to go (laughs) use a fourth-round pick on him or even a sixth-round pick. Do I think that they should draft a kicker in the draft? Absolutely. Uh, The second-ranked guy, if you're curious, is Anthony Farah, the kicker out of Texas. Might have kicked in some bigger game situations. Went 20 of 22 in his senior season. So... Uh, some pretty better, some better numbers than the guy out of Rice. Yeah, that sounds way better. Yeah, so clearly, um, there's something about this guy Chris Boswell that the draft, the draft experts see that we don't. And I think I'd be very surprised if you're watching day three of the draft and you don't see the Lions come to the podium with a kicker. Day three or day three? Okay, yep. I, thought, I thought you said round three for a second. I was no, no way, no, no. Yeah. definitely not round three. But day three, anywhere from it won't be round three, but maybe anywhere from where you have those two fourth round picks yeah. up until the sixth or seventh round. I liked what they did with Sam Barden last oh, year, yeah. and now they have a, a a punter that's going to be with them for a while. They have some longevity and consistency. Yeah, there. you know, kind of like how they had with Nick Harris. Sam Martin actually on a. Uh, Bleacher Report, they marked him as the number ninth punter in the league. So that's, you know, the top 10. That's good news. That's what I like to hear. And, you know, if any, sounds like if the Lions organization got anything right in the past 30 years, it's the kicker position. Yeah. So, if, if you're in the fifth round, I will take a top 10 player at any position. I don't care what position they play. They could be a punter. They could be a kicker. They could be, heck, I don't care. If they can be a top 10, if they can be a top 10 starter at their position, after their rookie year, I'm running to the podium, you know? Yeah. I That's the guy. Take him. It's absolutely happening. It's They're going to draft a kicker. It's got it. We don't have a I Who's our kicker? Because um, he's I, not coming. David Akers isn't coming back, right? Yeah. Right now listed on the depth chart, if they have, uh, they still have David Akers listed, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen, David Akers is not on that, te- not on this team any longer. So that tells you where the Lions' situation is with kicker right now. Uh, so 
it'll be interesting. It'll. I can tell you right now, it won't be David Akers at the beginning of the season. <laughs> I don't know who it's going to be. Most of us probably have never heard of the guy before. So it, it'll be interesting to keep an eye out on. And I think it could work out for the Lions. Yeah, definitely a franchise move to pair a young punter with a young kicker and just set him straight. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to talk about one final topic on this show today. And it's something that we've talked about for a few weeks now, but I haven't heard your take on it. And that's on Indomitian Sioux and this crazy long off-season contract saga that's just seemed to roll along forever. And, you know, me and Lewis have some pretty extreme opinions on it. We're both not the biggest Sioux fans right now. And I wanted to know what your take was on this whole Indomitian Sioux Yeah, you know, listening to you guys talk about Indomitian Sioux is definitely beneficial to my conscience because I just I'm indifferent I don't know how to feel about it um you know he's he's obviously uh like a wrecking ball on the defense and he's a great player great you know he's great everything about him on the field is great you know his attitude uh, you know stomping people out on Thanksgiving you know stuff like that is questionable and it's like you know when is he gonna stop he's got the captain uh patch on his jersey so maybe he should be held more accountable for his moves right now and you know i i just don't know you know because matthew you know i'm trying to be wise and be patient about it because matthew stafford signed his in july so he signed his contract extension in july so you know maybe they're just they're just moving slow right now obviously the lions made a lot of uh great free agency moves without extending his cap or without extending his contract to free up cap space but you know, I just don't know. You know, if he if he keeps messing around, I have no problem saying goodbye to him because you know plenty of teams would take him. You know, trade him to the Raiders, grab some picks. You know, I wouldn't. I don't even think I would be that mad about it. But you know, right now, if they're talking about contract extensions, then I'm okay with it overall. Yeah, and you know what? I listened back to my show last week, and. I, I, I had some pretty harsh words for Sue. I think maybe I went a little too hard on the guy. I think I said that he was a cancer to the team. He's not a yeah. cancer. He's not a cancer to the team. Let me revert that statement right now. I usually never do this. Let me revert that statement. I was dead wrong in saying that. At the same time, you're a captain of this football team. You're somebody who is... Held accountable. Yeah, you're held accountable for all of your actions, and both on and off the field. Sue's trainers have spent more time have spent more time talking to management face to face than Sue himself this off season. Why? I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I, it it just makes you know, like maybe we don't know everything, you know, because mm-hmm. you know the you know the guy's a millionaire, you know, he probably has a gym in right. his basement. He's always in great. He's no Nick Fairley. He doesn't have a huge gut. The man's the, a beast. He's he's probably working out in his basement right now. It's not like he's sitting on the couch. I doubt that's happening. And you know, business is business. You know, Ndamukong Sue doesn't look like a businessman, so he's not going in there suit and tie talking. He's leaving that for his, um, you know, his uh, what what agent so yeah i just I, I don't know what to think of it yet i don't want to get all like hasty about it and attack the man because you know i love what he brings to the table and just getting rid of him you know obviously there's you know lou has a great opinion on getting aaron donald and oh, yeah. that, that, that lou loves him some aaron donald yeah and that i'm i don't even disagree with that but just the fact that 
you know, just if we can just sign and Dom can sue and bring him back, then we can just worry about drafting a linebacker and a receiver and then just get on with it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I mean, then again, like it's it's 50-50 kind of, but, you know, he's a, you know, everyone loves him on the team. All Lions fans, they love his dirty, like he's he's a hard hitter, black and blue. Man, everyone loves Ndamukong Sue, no matter how much stuff he gets into. It's just, you know, it's hard to yeah. put a finger on it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm, I'm just looking at everything with Sue, and I, I loved Sue. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. When we drafted him, I was there at the Ford Field draft party. People were chanting, Super Bowl! <laughs> Guess what? No Super Bowl for the Lions with Sue. And I think... <laughs> I think he's even been a little bit of a disappointment, you know? I Here was a guy, they were calling him the next Warren Sapp. They were calling him the next great um, the, the next great defensive tackle. I don't think he's a top five defensive tackle. Oh, see, I, I don't know. I disagree with that because, you know, if you look at a lot of, like, his job in the middle, you know, he doesn't get the, the pretty points, you know? He doesn't mm-hmm. get those stat things, you know, because he gets double team, triple team, you know, and he's fighting these guys, and he still pulls off five and a half sacks, you know, how many, 40 tackles or something like that. It's like he, he gets those ugly, the ugly plays. That's all him, and, you know, the fact that he's in the middle and he can handle that and just, just clog up space and just fight people yeah. and, um, you know, free up Ansa and Jones and Nick Fair like even Nick Fairley, you know, his job isn't a pretty one and his stats don't show that. And you know, I, the only my opinion, the only defensive tackle better than him in the league would probably be Gerald McCoy on the okay. Buccaneers. Yeah, so and a lot of people actually agree with that. I know I follow um Pro Football Focus, I think it's called, mm-hmm. and they have it like that too. Gerald McCoy number one and Ndamukong Sue too. So it's like you can't look at the stats and say he's not top five because his stats aren't going to reflect that you know those neither will highlights because highlights don't follow those ugly plays like that if you just watch yeah. play you ever just focus on Dominican sue he's it looks like fight club down there he's just he's scrapping with people oh yeah he i mean he he does always put in a huge effort on the field i just don't know i just don't know if he's exactly what the answer is for the Lions to get them to where they need to be. I don't know if he is that big of a difference maker on this team where he'll be able to get them, where he'll be that leader on the defense, that captain on the defense, and be able to lead them to a Super Bowl. As we all know, we've witnessed the last two years, defense is what wins championships. I know it's a cliche. It's an old saying. Defense wins championships. It's not a cliche if it's true, right? Exactly. (laughs) Defense wins championships. And I don't know if with Ndamukong Sue, you're going to be able to get there. You know, it's... That's why it's just a tough, dis- you yeah. know, it's hard to talk about. But, you know, mm-hmm. would you rather get rid of Ndamukong and Sue, pick up Aaron Donald, who could potentially, you don't know because you're drafting people, could flop. You know, any player in the draft can just not show up. Would you rather, because we know Ndamukong Sue can play well, and he's worth yeah. the money. Well, you know, worth a, a decent amount of the money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get rid of him and pick up someone who most likely can't completely fill his shoes is just, it's just a... It's a it's a gamble. That's fair. And yeah. uh, and I mentioned he and I mentioned that he might not be a top five defensive tackle. I decided to pull up some names just <laughs> so I could get a little bit of a better idea on where I stand on this. Uh, I'm looking at it. 
I agree with you. Gerald McCoy, I think, is a better defensive tackle. Yeah. Um, if you, if for those fans that don't remember, he was actually the pick right after Sue. So it's kind of hard to I not. Didn't know con- that. Yeah, he was picked right after Sue, and of course, Sue was the popular pick. He was the Heisman candidate out of Nebraska at the time. Everyone wanted Adamakin Sue. Gerald McCoy was a little bit of a, more of an unknown. So. It's kind of hard not to compare the two. I think they're both great defensive tackles. Oh, yeah. And then you look at Jason Hatcher out of Dallas is pretty good. Marcel Darius, the young guy out of Buffalo also. Yeah, he's good. And then I'd, and then I'd throw Sue right in there with maybe Darius and Hatcher. I think, bar none, I think Gerald McCoy is the top defensive tackle. Yeah, I think worst-case scenario, he's number four or five. Yeah. To be honest. And that's something I'm completely okay with. And if he's, like, you know, if his upside is being nasty and mean and scary, you know, it's football. So uh-huh. that's that's the yeah. name of the game. Yeah, that's true. And that's the one thing I never agree with the media on is when they're bashing Sue on, oh, he did too hard of a hit and he's going after quarterbacks. That's his job. Yeah. H- hello? Are you really going to find a guy for doing his job? Well, the, the NFL fined him last season for literally, like, pushing him like, lightest push. I've never seen a fine like that in the NFL. I don't remember what quarterback it was on. I think it might have been Andy Dalton. And I was like, <laughs> is this really the... It's like the National Fairies League out yeah. there. Like, these are NFL football players. They're not like... Come on. Sue really picks on Dalton, too. Because remember that one hit? He, like, oh, he like crushed him. Yeah. But, and, um... Oh, yeah. You the know, fines... when you're a quarterback out there, you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. You're quarterback. You're so, there's four gigantic dudes trying to kill you every play. Uh-huh. So that's just that's just the game, and that you know, that's a whole other conversation. That yeah. how the league protects them. But you know, if I think Sue does his job, and I would like to see him come back. If he doesn't come back, I think we can get a lot out of him. Okay. But, you know, so I, I like to look at it objectively. But you know, there's a lot of Sue fans out there. You know, someone's screaming Sue in the in the crowd so someone's gotta like him and you know what i'm glad that we could have a little bit of a more lighter opinion on sue because lewis and i have been going <laughs> a little hard on him the last few weeks yeah. i don't want this i don't want this to turn into the indomitian sue bash show yeah trust no. me because <laughs> he is still a great nfl football player don't get me wrong am i a little am i a little disappointed on how this season on how this off season has turned out yeah this is a guy who likes to go about business his own way and that's just something that i don't agree with that's something that i think it's better off and more beneficial if you're there with the team especially with a new coaching staff and i think that's something that would have been I think it's something that Jim Caldwell would have really liked is to have your defensive captain your best player on your defense there with you for those off-season voluntary workouts. And I don't think Jim Caldwell was too pleased that he didn't have him there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, yeah, those, those extra two weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like definitely hard doing that. It's that whole con, like how big is Ndamukong Sue's head? Like as far uh-huh. as his contract goes and everything. I just don't like to get into that stuff because I don't know the underlying truths. Maybe he is talking to him. Maybe they are cool. Maybe he's working out real hard outside of the facilities, you know. How important are the voluntary workouts, you know. They are voluntary, but, you know, like you said last week, voluntarily mandatory. Yeah. I like that. I Uh agree with that. You know, it's football. These guys love their job. They Well, they're supposed to. They love football. They're there for a reason. They should be working out with their team. 
Exactly. And so, uh, I before we wrap up the show today, I just wanted to bring up one more topic. Uh, as you may have seen in the news the last couple of days, Chad Johnson, uh, former receiver... I don't know if his name is Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco. It switches off every week, it seems like. <laughs> but he just signed a contract with the Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League. And I was curious, because I've never watched a Canadian Football League before, but <laughs> Chad Johnson, one of my back in the day, was one of my favorite players in the NFL. Loved his touchdown celebrations. Oh, yeah. I was wondering, because I don't know if I'm, like gonna want to watch him or not is there a player in the nfl recently retired who if they came back out of retirement played in a different league would you actually watch them play in a different league like a canadian football league? you know that's interesting i have never you know how how do i watch canadian football league is the yeah, first question that's true uh-huh. and you know the man signed a contract it means he still wants to play football which means there's still passion for the game and if a man has passion for the game, that means he's still going to try. Mm-hmm. So it, it might, you know, maybe we'll see some highlights on ESPN. You know, I like Chad Johnson, too. I like the way he played. He's, you know, a little cocky, spunky. He's good. I liked him. And if he's still trying to play and make plays, you know, maybe we'll see him. Maybe we'll see him on the Internet or something. Yeah. You know, if you can get me Barry Sanders out of retirement <laughs> to go play a year in the Canadian Football League, sign me up for whatever TV package yeah, give me- has the Canadian <laughs> covers the Canadian Football League, because I will be one of the first people there. I didn't grow up watching Barry Sanders. He retired right when I started watching football. Yeah, we didn't get that privilege. So (laughs) I love when these recently retired players come out of retirement to try and get a little bit of a second win. I know Chad Johnson didn't actually retire, but he hasn't played since... Who knows how long? When he was on the Patriots, I think. Yeah, maybe like oh nine. Yeah, and they never even threw to him when he was there. So I think this is something I I I'll, I'll I guess I'll just watch with Sports Center highlights just to kind of get a little bit of a update on what he's doing there. I'd love for him to pull out some of his old throwback touchdown celebrations, though. I think that'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But that's just gonna. Just about wrap it up for our show today. Chris, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Uh-huh, not a problem. We're, me and Lewis will definitely have to have you on more. Oh, uh, it was a lot of fun. So uh, I wanted to thank everybody for listening to the show today here on Impact Sports. As always, I'm Michael Heiger, and this week here joined by Chris Bogus. Thank you guys for listening, and have a fantastic weekend. See ya.